You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Lord, we pray for a measure of your spirit as we meditate on your word so that we might grow in our understanding and in our following of you. In your name we pray. Amen. In the days since the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, we've heard a number of tributes and we've heard a number of accolades spoken of her. One common sentiment that has been expressed is that she was very devoted to her duties and carried them out. And that was one reason why so many people thought so highly of her. Another comment that was made was that she was a person of faith, Christian faith. And some commentators even said that she was a person of deep faith. It's been reported that upwards of a queue of at least five miles long have been waiting to file past her coffin and possibly waiting in that queue for up to 24 hours before they were able to do the pass-by. The religious services that have been held seem to be another way in which there was a witness that she was making to the world, if you will, albeit through these means. And in this faith in her Lord that uh, would express then that she was a person of faith. So in however way you might measure that, it would seem that we would say, or at least people were saying, that she made her life count. And that's the expression, or that's the thought, that St. Paul expresses in our thoughts for today from the epistle lesson for today. Make your life count. Now, you and I certainly don't have the same kind of platform that Queen Elizabeth had, particularly to be a witness, but Remember this, God also does give us opportunity in our own world to make a witness for him and live our lives for him. So I would share with you today some thoughts from a sermon by another pastor whose name I have lost, and then add some other thoughts too. Now here's a question for us to consider as we meditate on this today. Could we come to the end of our lives and conclude that we have made our lives count? Is there a way whereby we can know that our lives really do matter? St. Paul would be one of those people whose lives really did matter. No one could accuse him of having wasted his life. He could point to many charges that were made against him during the course of his life, and as we've expressed before, He was beaten, he was thrown in prison because of numerous confrontations he had with both the civil authorities and with religious authorities. But he could never be charged with wasting his life. Few people have ever made a greater contribution to this world than St. Paul did. Now the secret to his purposeful life and his powerful life, if you will, is contained in these words that come from, Saint, from uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, which we read today, particularly these verses in that Holy Epistle lesson. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. 
And why would he do this? Because he expressed in the verse just before this, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that truth is what he just here, what he expressed here, what we just read. There is one God. It was the stubborn Jews who insisted and maintained there was only one God. His name was Yahweh. There were no other gods before him. And isn't that what God outlined for us in the first commandment he gave when he said, you shall have no other gods before me. And by Paul's words in his sermon on Mars Hill when he was in Athens, he says, there is one God of all creation, and it is in him we live and move, and get this, have our being. He goes on to say, there is but one mediator between God and people, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Which carries out that theme, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now there are other people in the world who declare there's only one God and they call him other names. But the unique claim of Christianity is that there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as the ransom for all. We do remember that most of the early Christians were, first of all, Jews. The God they worshiped was a God of power, a God of majesty, a God of glory, and to simply call him the man upstairs didn't cut it. He was the God over all. Now, St. John would carry this out when he writes in the prologue to his gospel lesson. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what the early disciples believed with all of their being. There was one way, there was one truth, one life, one shepherd, one door, and that was Jesus. They heard him teach. They saw him heal people from their hurts. They witnessed his glory in the transfiguration. They witnessed his death upon Golgotha and they saw him buried in the tomb. But then they encountered him in his eternal glory as they walked with him on the road to Emmaus. when they saw him in the upper room, and when they were with him on the hill when he ascended back to the Father. And all throughout the New Testament, they tried to sum up the impact that Christ's life had upon them. And think of the things that they said about him. 
They called him prophet. They called him high priest, servant of God, lamb of God, son of David, son of man, holy one of God, son of God, savior, Messiah, king of kings, Lord of lords. And it is only within the belief and confession of Christianity that we say the word has become flesh. That is, Jesus came to live among us to offer us access to the Father through him and all that he accomplished for us. Now, what does this have to do with Paul's power and purpose? His life was grounded in his knowledge of God and in his experience with Christ, starting with his conversion or his confrontation and conversion on the road to Damascus. That knowledge and that experience had what some people call two effects on him. The first effect was called the focal effect. And the second was called the funnel effect. Now, when we speak of the focal effect, we're talking about being focused on a single, world-changing kind of task. It has been said that great accomplishments in the world are made by people who are so focused on a single, a single goal that they dedicate their whole being to it. St. Paul's cause was that. And his cause was to give glory to God in all you do. He actually says that in his letter to the first Corinthians, or his first letter to the Corinthians. Whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you sleep, and so on, he says, do all to the glory of God. And that's what he did. And that's your task, it's my task. To do everything we do, whether it be in the office, or on a construction site, in a classroom, at home, or whatever, do everything to the glory of God. How do we make a difference in this world? Well, it comes in the answer to the question, is this something that I can do to God's glory? If it is, we ought to dedicate our whole being to that task. That's the secret of a successful life, to have a focal point on which our lives focus that we can believe in and then give everything we are to it. That's the focal effect. Then the second thing, the funnel effect, Paul saw himself as a funnel through which God's purpose and power could flow to others. Somebody did a study of great people, and they discovered that invariably these achievers did not consider the path of greatness as leading from them, but through them. You see, their source was somewhere other than from themselves. Have you ever completed a task and then you looked at it and you thought to yourself, 
wow, did I do that? I couldn't have done that. And then you thought, well, if that was what I did, there was an unseen hand behind that leading me to do that. There was another power behind that leading me to do that. It would seem that that's the kind of thing St. Paul thought about his life. He was a channel through which God's power flowed. There was a brawny man who was uh, stood in front of a painting in a New York gallery, looking at a painting that was done by a great painter of the time called John Singer Sargent. He kept muttering to himself, I've been given a place at last. I've been given a place at last. While standing next to him was another artist of the time. His name was Robert Henry. And he was mystified at this man's words. And so he said, are you an artist? The man said, I am. And now Henry was really confused. And so he said, but I thought this work was done by the great painter Sargent. Oh, that's right, said the man. But it was me who made the frame. <laughs> you see, St. Paul saw himself as the frame through which Christ would work. Or put it another way, Christ was the painting. He was the frame that surrounded it, that made it, or that would display it. The power of the risen Christ working through him as the source of whatever his accomplishments were. Paul would write to the Galatian Christians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <clears throat> Which is to say, if we will, but surrender our lives to Christ, we will find his power being available to us to flow through us and help us accomplish more than we thought was possible. And that's the way St. Paul thought of himself. He made his life count. How? By surrendering his life to Christ so Christ could live through him. And St. Paul preached as he did everything else to the glory of God. And he wrote as he would for the glory of God. True, you and I don't have the platform Queen Elizabeth did or even St. Paul had. But I suspect we might be surprised how many people we can witness to and with whom we might have influence and what God can do through us. So we are called to focus on our Creator and Redeemer to do all to His glory and pray and live to be the funnel through which He makes Himself known to others. Because remember, God does want all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And he puts some of them in our path. With a renewed faith in Christ, 
we can have new power, new purpose for the living of our lives. And to the extent that we dedicate our lives to God so that all may see our good works, to glorify our Father who is in heaven. That's our calling. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds through faith in Christ until life everlasting. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.